Hello, I'm Dr. Margaret Rogers Vancoops, and you're listening to Journey into an Unknown World. I've been doing this show for a long time, and I always try and make the abnormal normal and the normal abnormal. In other words, what I try and do is help you look at the way you think and the way you feel and try and put out a different point of view. Now, for some of you coming into 2015, you're going to find a lot of obstacles, things coming and going around you that you're not really expecting. And one of the things that I really want to focus on is not so much what people say to you, but rather your opinions. The things that you have told yourself you believe and the things that you have repeated yourself many, many times. In other words, you've conditioned yourself to be set in your ways. And of course, when we're set in our ways, we feel very safe for a while until we start to realize that if we don't change, if we don't move our ideas over, then we're kind of stuck in a rut. Now, I'd like to remind you yet again that if you've been listening to me for nearly three years, that you will get a lot out of this show. But I also want to remind you that if you go back and listen to some of my past shows, you're going to find a lot of help there. And even more importantly, my little bit of good news is that I am now going to focus on building my school, sumariseducationcenter.com, online. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give lectures, workshops, webinars, some of it free, some of it very cheap, to help you go on with your life. So if you're very interested in following me, then I suggest you go to www.sumariscenter.com for now and put in your information, either male, female, age, what you're interested in and so on, so that you can let me know what you'd like me to talk about, whether it's on the radio show or whether it's in an education format or simply just something that you'd like me to blog about. Yes, I don't often talk too much about blogging, but you know, blogging is very important right now. I do have my own blog on sumaricenter.com that you can read. I do something once or twice a month, but more importantly, there are lots of people out there who are blogging news to you as well. And the bottom line here is, how do you receive that information within yourself? How do you process what you see, what you hear, what you feel, what you think, what your nerves respond to in terms of pain, fear, anger, and guilt? So I'd like to encourage you, having listened to my last show, Transformation, I would like to encourage you to walk with me a little way in terms of understanding that you are not really who you think you are consciously. That there is something deeper inside you that you need to tap into right now. 
Now the year 2015 is going to be an interesting one because if you add up all those numbers 2, 1 and 5 you're going to get 8 and 8 on its own is a money year. So everyone around you is going to be saying, you know, I've got plans for the coming year. I've got lots of things I want to do. I'm so busy right now. I'm preparing for next year. But the problem is, are you preparing in the old style, in the old ways, ways you were trained to think when you were a small child, or are you adapting? Are you looking at new ways? Are you paying for programs to study something more? Or are you just reading a book? Whatever you're doing, I hope in some way you're expanding your mind. Now, I've done many shows on different parts of our awareness, but I thought that I'd like to work with you today in helping you to really question these rigid beliefs that you hold on to. So here's one out of my own family. My father, a very good man, has always said that no matter what happens, the family comes first. And along with that comes the family money. Sounds nice, sounds good. Only problem is the family unit didn't have any money and the expanded family unit was so few that where could we share whatever we had, if we had it anyway, and who was going to work with us within the family unit to make it the one glorious entity that my father imagined. And here he is today, still alive, 98 years old, still saying the same thing. Now that is a rigid belief. It's something he got from his father when he was very young. He was born into India and by the way here I'd like to share that we did put together all his stories into a book called Grandpa's Stories and you can find that again on my website sumaricenter.com each of these stories is, from my father's point of view, an Easter story channeled by Christabel, as well as some of his writings. I put them together in a book and they're available for you. And every one of these stories has a moral, an ethic, code as it were, and leaves a point of awareness about transformation and change, appreciation, love, etc. So having given my dad's book a plug, I want to come back to why I've chosen to work around my father's energy in terms of my life and then share it with you. So bearing in mind that my father was traditioned to believe in his ancestors, our ancient ancestors, it goes back to 1066, and the historic lords and ladies of Britain and the smugglers and the, the highwaymen and all this stuff that was given to me as a child that I was supposed to honor and respect these ancestors. And for a while I did. Oh, you know, 
I, I come from good stock, etc. Well, when I came to America, guess what? Many, many people came up to me and said, oh, I'm very proud of my ancestry. I have British, Welsh, Scottish, whatever uh, relatives that lived there once a few hundred years ago. And I said, really? And I was very polite. And at the same time, I'm thinking, if they only knew that it doesn't matter. Yes, it does matter in the sense of our DNA, our RNA is working. And it does matter as far as our spirit is concerned because, yes, we are all bonded and part of the oneness. And I did write about that in my book um, called Quantum Entanglement, A Paranormal Point of View. And it explains it all through my life, so I think you'll find it interesting. But the thing is, consciously, did I know great-great-great-great-great-grandma who lived in Surrey on a certain estate in a certain place? Did I know my ancestors who owned a castle? Well, of course not. So given time, I began to realize consciously that I was giving so much power away to these ancestors that I'd never known. I was trying to be something that would please my ancestors. Well, I went to Japan and there I found the Japanese had special days where they made a long list of all their ancestors as far back as they could remember and hang them on a tree in the hope that those ancestors will pray and keep them safe. So by acknowledging them, they would in some way be loyal to their line. A good idea again. But the problem was it didn't fit in with their social structure, their Buddhic beliefs and so on. I can't begin to tell you how many people came to me and said, my dead ancestors have all gone, I'm the only one left, and I'm having to pay for the lots to keep the ancestry grave going. And it's in another place, another island, far away, I never go there, I can't afford it, and if I give up on it, will I be chastised by my ancestors? Will I be sent to hell? And of course, most of these Buddhic people thought that they would go to hell if they stopped paying for that grave. There's another rigid idea. You see, when we're children, we're told certain things and we believe those things. Why would we not? After all, we believe everyone tells us the truth. And maybe those adults were telling us the truth from their point of view and in their time and space. But does it really mean that it's true for you? Is it possible that you're believing something your grandparents told you and your grandparents have passed over onto the other side and you're still carrying on in the way that they told you to be? And when I say carrying on in quotes, I mean conducting your life the way they told you to when it really is holding you back. Because number one, the news is out of date, history is gone, you can't turn the clock back. And number two, you haven't moved forward because it's blocked you from learning something new. 
So let's take a deep breath for a minute. I always like to encourage people to do that. And in that moment of breathing, ask yourself, what is my rigid thought? And write it down. We don't want you to forget it. Write it down because your brain can tell you all the things that you need to know just by relaxing and breathing. You see, when you're breathing, you're focused on the breath, you are not thinking about what you were told to believe. But in that moment, your brain would dip into your spiritual self and bring up something, a symbol, a thought, like one word, or maybe a phrase. For example, I loved the movie and the show, of course, The Sound of Music. And whenever I get into a pattern of believing something relative to my ancestry and the education I've had, and knowing that it is not befitting the circumstances of today, I suddenly hear the song, The Hills Are Alive with the Sound of Music. What does that mean to me? For me personally, it means get outside, get away from your desk, get away from all these ideas you've got going around in your head and breathe. And just be yourself for a few minutes and let your brain refresh. And then when I've done that, I'll go back to whatever I'm doing. And guess what? New ideas come up. Now, I will have to work on those new ideas, obviously. If I want to do something, i.e. at the moment I'm learning about webinars, then I have to learn how to handle a program, and I have to learn how to do chat boxes and all these things, and I'm currently working on that. Was my grandfather able to tell me about that? I don't think so. I mean, computers hadn't even been invented. So you see, a lot of the old ideas and philosophies of our ancestry are really not befitting today's modern ways. So let me come into a saying that I often use with my students. What did you say? I often ask people when they ask me a question, that question, I'll throw it back. What did you say? Because I want to be sure that my brain is really hearing what they are saying because from their point of view, they could be saying something entirely different from the way I hear it. And if I hear it relative to the way I was brought up, then my response to them is going to be off point. In other words, not correct. So here's an example. Someone comes to me and says, Margaret, did you bother to put the trash out? Now, to me, in my history, I would be thinking, bother? Why is it a bother to me? It's no hardship. I can easily put the trash out. So why do they think uh, it was a bother, a nuisance? Second thing, trash, to me in my English language, is absolutely somebody who is uneducated, insecure, and unstable. That's how the English thought of those people a hundred years ago. But today in America, 
trash means what it means. All the rubbish I've got from my house that I don't need anymore. And in a habit, every week I put it out as I've been told to do, sort it. Those parts that are refundable, those parts that are burnable and so on. Had my grandparents had to have sorted out their rubbish, as they called it in those days, into different kinds of bags, they would have been saying, surely the servants should do that. That's not my kind of work. Now, if I believed the way they spoke all those years ago, when it comes to somebody asking me, did I bother to put the trash out? With those ideas of my grandparents in my head, I could turn around and say, no, of course I didn't do it. You can do it because you're better at handling trash than I am. <laughs> of course, it sounds silly and we want to laugh about it. But, you know, we all have these ancient old ideas and ways that we've believed and accepted. And I'm giving you very simple ideas, but I'd like you right now to take another deep breath and see if you've got an idea about the way people communicate with you or the way people look at you. How do you feel when they talk to you? Do you feel belittled or in the heights of elation? When they look at you, do you feel that you can look back straight into their eyes and bond? Or do you look down and feel a little bit threatened or insecure? And if they come too close, like they want to hug you, are you backing off? Are you feeling that you are embarrassed yet again to have human contact? Or perhaps you're the opposite. Perhaps you don't even think about it. You just dive in and hug someone to pieces and kiss and do whatever you need to do and they wonder why they feel distant afterwards because you swamp them. So where did you learn to watch, listen, pay attention and connect with others? And the bottom line is you originally learned it the moment you were born. In my book Discover Your Baby Spirit, you'll learn about that there and how we all, as individuals, find it very easy from a spiritual point of view to watch, look, listen, and feel. The hard part is talk about it. So let's take another deep breath, okay? Let's take another deep breath and really think about yourself now. Think about yourself now in terms of how you say things. Do you say things short version, as it were? So here's an example. Somebody says, how are you today? And you say, fine, or great, or wonderful. When really, underneath your saying, I've got so much going on, I'm stressed, I don't know where I'm going next, I don't know what to do, but I'm not going to let that person know that I don't feel very well, or I'm worried, etc. So I'll just say, great. Well, the bottom line is, you've just shut the door on someone who is interested in you, and maybe can help you. So then you go on your way struggling wishing that you had someone who would help you. So when I say 
what did you say? I'm really asking someone to repeat whatever they said to me so that I can then really truly listen, pay attention and hear the hidden message. What they're really saying is, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. Then I will stop and say, let's just have a cup of tea, have a rest. You, is there anything you want to talk to me about? You know, I'm here for you if you need me. Those kind of little things. And usually, the person I'm with will turn around and say, Oh, Margaret, I don't want to be a nuisance, but... And out comes the story. And of course, being a good friend or a good family member, I'll offer them my point of view. But does that mean that my point of view is readily accepted? Actually, it isn't. The bottom line is that we all will ask people for their opinions. And when we've amalgamated those opinions into some form that we can manipulate them to suit us, we will begin to think about adapting, changing the way we respond to people, learning to trust and have faith in ourselves and the new birthing of things that we want to do. So for example, when I wanted to start doing webinars for everyone, I had to talk to a lot of people who have been doing webinars and they all came back with short versions such as, it's easy, you just have to go to this site, it tells you everything, just go ahead, do it. I'm still standing there going, yes, but what's the first step? You know, I'm going back to when I was a kid in school. I want to be shown. I want to be having my hand held, press this button, talk in this way, do this in that way. Why? Because I'm very physically oriented. I want to be shown so I can see it working. And you might be one of those people. Other people hear more dominantly the words. What did you say? The intonation. What did you say versus what did you say versus something like what did you say you know we embellish our sentences with meanings and in order to really get the message of what every individual is saying we need to really listen to the tones the vocality if that's a word of the singing voice within the speaking voice so if I go back to the beginning where I said, I hear the hills are alive with the sound of music. That sounds okay. The hills are alive with the sound of music. But if I say, the hills are alive with the sound of music. Not that I'm a good singer here, but get the point. It brings the whole suggestion of those hills and the energy that's out there in those hills and the vibrations and the gloriousness of the day. We need to learn to speak with emphasis in our words. We need to speak those words with clarity. Now, of course, if we come from another country and we have an accent, let's say we come from India into uh, an English-speaking country, 
then we have a Hindustani kind of accent. Then people are going to say, what did you say? They're going to try and listen a little bit harder and they're going to try and understand you a little bit better. And they'll ask questions if they don't quite get your pronunciation. But if you're in your own native country, speaking your own native language, then everyone assumes that what you've said is relative to whatever the family unit has taught you to believe as you grew up. Now, I came from England to America, and I soon learned very quickly that many of the words that I spoke had a different connotation or a different meaning. So I had to adapt my English ways of speaking. And here's a simple example. In America, we say, I'm going to the store. Do you want anything? In England, we would say, I'm going shopping now to Walmart. And while I'm there, can I get you anything? Is there anything you particularly want? You see, it's much longer. It's more meaningful. It makes the person feel that they're in some way important because you're bothering to share with them what you're doing. Whereas, I'm going to the store, can I get you something, is very short and indifferent. The tone is indifferent. One of the things that I've been working on for many years is my Trinity Stone healing. Trinity Stone healing is all to do with sound. And of course, we make many sounds, not only talking and singing, but also coughing and sneezing. For example, if two people are talking and you're standing, hovering, waiting for your chance, <coughs> coughing might draw attention to you. Have you got that habit? Or if someone's talking, maybe you, you go, aha, 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 while you're walking, while you're listening. We all have these little habits, but those little habits say something to the person you're talking to. So you might want to become aware of how you sound when you're talking. And if you're one of these people that really has no idea how you sound, and you just talk and talk and talk, then you might want to talk into a recorder, leave it for a day or two, and then go back and listen to yourself. And as you listen, critique yourself and ask yourself, are there words that I use over and over again that seem to have a general meaning that mean nothing? Are there inferences in the way I talk rather than direct communication? For example, is the door shut? To someone listening, it could mean, it's cold in here, get up and shut the door, which is an inference to another person who might think, oh, she's asking if the door's shut because the flies will get in. The truth might be that the person saying it's the door shut is thinking a robber may come in the house any minute. So you can see there's a guessing game going on. But if a person says, is the door shut, I'm cold and I'm thinking someone could come in and steal my property, then the person responding would say, okay, I'll go check and make sure that it is shut. So don't throw suggestions at people and hope they get the point. If you feel someone is actually not getting you, it's because you're not explaining yourself very well. 
I also suggest that you work on your diction. A lot of people tend to drop their T's and D's or not embellish their V's. So have, is it sort of, instead of have, have, got, get, book. Try and embellish your words, even if you have to speak slowly, because then people can follow you and understand you. I once met someone who was talking so fast that I couldn't even begin to process what she was saying. She was speaking at the speed of her thoughts, and that's saying something. Those are her conscious thoughts, that is. But the brain moves energy faster than speed of light, and this has been scientifically tested. So by the time you're speaking, you've already processed everything you're thinking. But the person listening to you hasn't. So communication, talking slowly, is very important. Pronunciation is very important. Tonality is very important. Deep breathing is very important between sentences so that you can allow someone to interject or ask, tell me more. And in that way, you begin to understand that you are sharing and that you are seen as someone who is interesting and therefore someone who's going to ask you more questions about who you are. And at that point, you can ask yourself, well, who am I really? And by having a good conversation with someone, you begin to understand that you are, in reality, a very important person in the lives of many people that you meet. So on that note, I'm going to remind you, go to sumaricenter.com, let me know all your details, follow me, and I'll let you know when I'm teaching more. So until then, be safe, be happy, and be free. Bye for now.